Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 104 6 and 1 podcast. Uh, I know it's been quite some time since I've actually recorded an episode. I kind of took Christmas off, you know, being your own boss has its has its perks. And, you know, I just really needed some time to spend time with my family. The girlfriend's family just kind of stress-free, took a couple of days off and, you know, just took it easy. So, you know, we're starting this week up fresh. Like I said, I know it's been a few weeks since I've actually put out an actual episode with the episode prior to this being the issue that I was having with Kyle's uh, file. So today, I just really wanted to get into the NFL season coming up to the, its last leg. The AFC Divisional, or should I say the AFC Playoff situation is... How do I put this lightly, considering we're on the brink of elimination? Is touchy and sensitive and very, very, very... Uh, since I haven't done this in a while, I'm sitting here losing track of certain synonyms and adjectives I want to use, but of course... It'll come to me eventually. Uh, The race has come to the literal end, and it's win or go home. It's a lot of play-in-lose situations for the AFC. And with that, let's get started. So the AFC East is pretty much taking care of itself. The Buffalo Bills have won the division in the AFC West. The Kansas City Chiefs have won the division. In the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers have won their division. And the AFC South is the only division as of right this second that is undecided. So the Kansas City Chiefs lock up the number one seed. The number two seed is the Pittsburgh Steelers. The number three is the Buffalo Bills. And the four seed would be obviously the the winner of the South. The NFC, the NFC East has yet to be decided. Once again, we have the Cowboys and Washington football team tied at six and nine. We have the Seattle Seahawks winning their division at 11 and four. The Packers clinched their division at 12-3, and three, and the New Orleans Saints have also won their division. There is no defined number one team so far because the Saints are, what is this? Am I even reading this right? Would this be 12-5? and five? Oh, 12-4. I'm ridiculously stupid. Uh, the Seahawks and the Saints are tied for two, and the Packers are 12-3, and three, so if the Packers end up losing their game... Uh, the Seahawks and or the Saints could end up taking the one seed depending on how that ends up panning out. So the NFC is pretty much open in terms of seeding. The AFC is kind of just in question in regards to the wild card situation. So the wild card situation as of right now is the Ravens, Bengals, and excuse Bengals, God forbid, <laughs> 
the Dolphins, Ravens, and Browns. And the Colts are currently sitting on the outside looking in. So, I, it's really hard to specify into words how angry I was, still am, at how we folded against Pittsburgh in the second half. I'll get into it in a second. Uh, I really just kind of wanted to dive in and get a full recap of pretty much how the season went. Uh, with Week 17, a lot of teams like Kansas City and Pittsburgh resting their starters. Uh, Buffalo, I don't know if they're going to. You know, It's just pretty much a matter of seeding at this point. Nothing's really locked other than Kansas City being the one in the, in, in the, uh, in the AFC. The NFC, like I said, is not set in stone, but the majority of the teams have clinched their spots other than the last two wildcard spots. So the Buffalo Bills kind of took the league by surprise. They really went out there and they dominated their competition. I mean, Josh Allen played at an MVP level. Stephon Diggs played at a top three wide receiver level all season. The Miami Dolphins really came out of their shell in starting Fitzpatrick and then him coming in and doing his thing and then switching over to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And, you know, they went on a little bit of an up-and-down streak recently in the last couple of weeks due to an injury due to Tua and then a Hail Mary with a face mask or roughing the passer to kind of catapult the Dolphins into a win, a 26-25 to win over the Raiders on, I believe, Christmas or Christmas Eve. I forget the exact date. And they barely won that game. The Patriots... A shell of themselves. Cam Newton obviously played atrocious pretty much the entire season. Uh, lack of a wide receiver core. Inconsistencies on defensive play. Bill Belichick really, really, really did not seem to have the reins on the team for the first time in over a decade. Uh, the Patriots will miss the playoffs for the first time in, I believe, 11 or 12 straight years. So it's just astronomical how that dynasty pretty much collapsed once Tom left. And I think Tom is getting the last laugh in Tampa with them clinching a wild card spot in the NFC. Uh, the New York Jets are a joke of a football team. They couldn't even tank properly. They have now screwed the Indianapolis Colts into having Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, and Ryan Tannehill partnered with Derrick Henry in the AFC South to play six times in a year. I uh, I really appreciate the Jets going out there and winning two games in a row because if he would have went to the Jets, I would have only had to see him maybe once or twice every couple of years. But it is what it is. Now he's going to be in Jacksonville with Jacksonville solidifying the number one overall pick in the draft. So thank you to New York. A big old fuck you, Kevin. Uh, The Chiefs did what I pretty much expected them to do. Their loss to the Raiders did not hold them back from winning another 10 straight. They are probably more than likely going to end the season at either 15-1 or 14-2. Probably 14-2 depending on how their bench does. I know they're going to rest their starters. Um... The Las Vegas Raiders started off hot. They kind of went up and down. They fell to a three-game skid. Uh, You can see that they have a lot of talent, but again, injuries, inconsistencies on the defensive end. They had a lot of COVID issues throughout the season. Uh, They are more than likely going to end the season at 8-8 or 7-9. Again, I did not expect this. Justin Herbert actually turned it around for the Chargers. The Chargers, they're on a three-game win streak. They are 6-9. The Broncos, 5-10. You know, their carousel quarterback issues with Drew Locke being uh, injured, Von Miller being out for the year, um, Cortland Sutton tearing his ACL. So, I mean, injuries pretty much plagued the Broncos all year. Close losses uh, plagued the Chargers the entire season. Pittsburgh went on their skid after beating us, or should I say right before beating us. Uh, they had lost three in a row. They were looking to be beatable, and it should have been four in a row, but the Colts find a way to botch that. 
the Ravens ended up coming in and winning four straight to catapult themselves back into the playoff hunt when it looked like all hope was done when they were six and five. Uh, the Browns, they went and lost last week to the New York Jets. Another reason why Trevor Lawrence would be a Jaguar. Uh, four of their starting receivers all were either close contact or a positive COVID result, so they did not get to play. The Browns' offense was lacking, to say the least. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are out here trying to make a push to prove that they are not the most irrelevant franchise in football without Joe Burrow, and they have won two in a row. Uh, that has probably been the biggest shock. I really genuinely thought that that team would kind of fall apart the second Joe went out, but they're trying to show that they still have some fight in them. Uh, Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, is showing that he has resilience and he's not willing to throw in the towel. I respect that as a coach. Typically when you lose a star midway or you know the, the ladder towards the end of the season, you kind of accept your 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 losing ways, and you kind of just say, you know what, we'll just drive it up, pack it up for next year. But they're still fighting. The Titans and the Colts are tied at ten and five, just like I figured. Uh, the Titans, I would assume, would end up winning the division, in my opinion. Uh, a hobbled Deshaun Watson is going to be questionable come week seventeen. I don't know what's going to happen. We play the Jacksonville Jaguars for a rematch of that embarrassing loss, their only win of the entire season in week one. Hopefully the Colts can find a way to muster up the strength to at least give us a chance. And, you know, we can try to control our own destiny. We had our control and we screwed it up. We really, really botched it. And, I mean, I really can't even express to you how bad it was because... We really just screwed it all up. And, I mean, like it, it, it was bad. And I really just, I'll get into it in a second. So looking into the the uh, situation, or should I say the, the playoff bracket as of now, I actually had it backwards. It's Chiefs, Bills, then Steelers. It's Packers as of right now first, Saints, Seahawks, and then obviously four with the division still being in the uh, deciding factor would be between the uh, the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys. And then we have here, obviously, the extended wild card for the AFC would be, like I said, Miami, Baltimore, and the Browns. And then in the extended, that would be the Buccaneers, who have already clinched the wild card spot, the LA Rams, and the Chicago Bears, who have found a way to resurge their entire existence. So I'll get into the NFC in just a second, but I mean... I would have never thought that the Bears would turn it around once Foles went out and Mitchell Trubisky came back in, but they have scored 30 points in, I believe, three straight games, and they are looking pretty solid right now. You know, offense is firing on all cylinders. The defense is playing really well. So, you know, watch out for the Bears. I'm not saying they're going to go and upset the number one seeded Packers, but the way that they're playing right now, a young and confident team, watch out. David Montgomery is finally healthy, and he is running all over the place. So we'll see what happens in that aspect. Uh, speaking of the NFC, diving right into it. Uh, the NFC East was an absolute shit show. I don't think anybody in the NFL thought that it would be as bad as it was. Uh, the Washington football team did surprise a lot of people in catapulting their way to first place for the majority of this season, uh, or should I say the majority of the second half of the season at 6-9. and nine. Dallas found a way to turn it around when Andy Dalton got back, and they're on a three-game win streak. They are 6-9. and nine. The Giants after winning about two or three in a row of their own, have fallen on their three-game losing streak, and they are at 5-10 and ten with Daniel Jones and the rest of that team kind of falling to their own version of their injury plague. Philadelphia Eagles are an absolute 
dumpster fire uh, with the benching of Carson Wentz in the middle of the season and the transition into the Jalen Hurts era. Last game against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday afternoon, it just... I don't want to say it was embarrassing, but it was an absolute demolishment of... I don't even know if demolishment is a word, but it sounded like the word that needed to be said. Um, they just could not keep up. Offensively, they were just not there. Uh, defensively, they really, really, really tried to keep them in the game, and it was just the offense couldn't get it moving. Once again, they abandoned the run, and they just kind of... Uh, they really just... They really shit the bed. I mean, there's not really much else I can say. I just, I really am concerned with how that's going. And I don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. So we'll see what happens in that respect. But transitioning into the NFC West, uh, the Seahawks and the Rams and the Cardinals kind of had their three-way tie for a bit of a while. The Seahawks obviously pulled away. They are on a three-game win streak. The Rams are on a two-game skid right now at 9-6. and six. And the Cardinals, a massive, massive, massive disappointment. Uh, I really projected them to either take the division or be a guaranteed wild card spot, and said they instead they are on the outside looking in, at eight and seven. Uh, still, with year two being Kyler and with year two of Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury, I think that this team is trending in the right direction. Improvements obviously would need to be on the offensive line and the defense. But middle of the pack being in the NFC, I, I, I would obviously say that uh, they did a lot better than what most thought. The 49ers being the most injury-ridden team in the entire NFL, that entire running back committee has been plagued with terrible, terrible, terrible injuries and bad luck all year, and they still have found a way to win six games. I mean, George Kittle's been out for most of the year. Jimmy Garoppolo's been out most of the year. So they're fighting. They're competing. They're doing what they can. I'm not saying that they're going to be anything special in the next couple of years. No one knows what's going to happen in that front office with Jimmy Garoppolo playing under par when he was healthy. So, uh, you know, them being 6-9, and nine, I don't even know if they went out that last game, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Green Bay obviously living up to expectations. Aaron Rodgers having another historical year, leading the NFL in touchdown passes and least interceptions thrown. Uh, he is looking like an MVP favorite, if not a top two MVP candidate alongside Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, I'm just sitting here and I'm looking and I'm just like, yo, the Packers are the real deal. I mean, the defense is probably their, their most inconsistent portion because Aaron Rodgers is lights out Devontae Adams is making a push for the best wide receiver in football and I mean like he's making a very 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 good push with 17 touchdowns so they are what we all expected um, the rest of the division in no particular order didn't really surprise me other than what I said a few moments ago the Bears being on their three-game win streak and Mitchell kind of carrying them through that is what shocks me I really had higher hopes for the Vikings when they went on their little win streak earlier in the year and they have since fallen on a three-game skid. They are 6-9. and nine. The Detroit Lions with the whole Matthew Stafford contract controversy of will he be re-signed next season, will he be traded, um, the firing of Matt Patricia and their GM. I don't know what's happening there, but they need to get their stuff together and figure it out because they are at 5-10. and 10. They have not been relevant in quite some time. So, once again, not a big shock, but... You know, I, I I kind of expected a little bit more from them this season. I expected more from this division as a whole. I really thought that they were pretty strong and deep on all aspects. I mean, obviously the Lions being the weakest link, I at least expected them to go seven and nine. But in this division, if you got to play the Packers twice, it's pretty much an automatic two losses. So 
That's sad, but uh, my prediction ended up coming true in the NFC South. The Saints ended up winning that division, absolutely obliterating the Buccaneers both times this season. The Bucks did end up coming back, winning three straight, as most predicted that would happen in clinching a wild card spot at ten and five. The Panthers didn't live up to my expectations, and they fell to five and ten. Teddy Bridgewater not playing consistently throughout the season, as well as Christian McCaffrey only playing three games the entire year, did not help Matt Rule's first tenure, or should I say, first year as the Panthers head coach, but, you know, there is excitability in that receiving core that ended up playing very well throughout the season, so we will see what happens there. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, the professional choke artists of the NFL, are a measly 4-11. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Matt Ryan. Julio Jones, once again, injury-ridden throughout the year. Calvin Ridley pretty much showing up and saying, hey, I'm the real deal. You can pass me the torch if need be. Todd Gurley having a hot start and then pretty much fizzling out towards the end of the season was no surprise. We all know Todd Gurley has been battling knee injuries throughout pretty much the majority of his career. So I don't know. Uh, the South went pretty much the way I had expected. But, you know, again, the Panthers did the Panthers did disappoint. And then the Falcons having multiple leads throughout the season and multiple teams to, that they should have beaten that they did not. So that's your NFC wrap-up. And on that aspect, like I said, the order for that playoff portrayal would be Packers, Saints, Seahawks. The winner of the NFC East would be the four seed. We have the Bucks clinched in at the five and then either the Rams or Bears coming in and the Arizona Cardinals on the outside looking in. Again, the Colts are on the outside looking in for the playoffs. We would need to win and then either the Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens and or Cleveland Browns would have to win or should I say they would have to lose their games. So one of them would have to lose. I believe, what do we have here? No, 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 no. Hold on. I clicked the wrong button. <sighs> Computers, man, I swear to God. They are either massively helpful or a big ass pain in my ass. So we, come on. Indianapolis clinches a playoff berth. Sorry, stupid ad. Uh, Indianapolis clinches a playoff berth with a win and a Baltimore loss, a win, a Cleveland loss, a win with a Miami loss. Uh, yeah, pretty much exactly what I said. Um, Baltimore with the same. Baltimore wins, a Cleveland loss, an Indy loss. Uh, Cleveland clinches with a win or we lose and a bunch of other uh, outlying situations that are irrelevant. They just need to win, and they're going to win against Pittsburgh's backups. Pittsburgh would be smart to rest every single starter on that team, have an entire week off with them missing a bye week due to the adding of the extra team in the wild card. So this will be Pittsburgh's bye. If Cleveland could get some form of their offense back healthy out of off of COVID reserve, they would probably win this game pretty easily, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Tomlin made it a little difficult. You know, Mike Tomlin isn't one of those coaches to roll over and just hand out wins. But again, he is looking forward with his late 30s quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger and his tired, working hard defense who leads the NFL in sacks for the year. So I, uh, I will now transition into what appeared to have happened in that game, in that abysmal, atrocious embarrassment of a game that the Colts played. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a rant, so be careful. Uh, tread carefully, and don't say I didn't warn you. The game couldn't have started any better. Ben had a three and out. Colts go down, Colts score. 
Um, Pittsburgh ties it up in the second, 7-7, off of stupidity. Uh, It is a strip sack fumble recovery for the defense. At this point, Pittsburgh goes down and ties the game at 7, and then we come back and we score two times in a row. So at this point, it is 21-7 at half. We get the ball at half. We drive down the field. We kick a field goal, and from that point on, we absolutely shit the bed, forgot how to play football, rolled over, didn't feel like playing. I mean, the the analogies can continue on and on all day. I know I've been hearing it on multiple podcasts. Uh, shout out to the For the Culture podcast. Uh, Luke and Josh doing a great, 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 or should I say, I'm sorry, Luke and Jason, I apologize, Jason, doing a great thing out there. Uh, great content every single week. If you aren't already following them, follow them on YouTube. That is For the Culture. That is F-O-R-C-O-L-T-U-R-E. Incredible, incredible, all cults, all the time podcast between pre-games, off-season, and post-game interviews, post-game reviews. Uh, they have spoken to multiple former players. They have spoken to Matt Eberflus. So, I mean, you name it, this this thing is serious. I love, love, love listening to their content. But them having their own content and then me having my own is pretty similar in the sense of we all agree. I'm sure all Colts fans agree. We just stopped running the ball. We had a total of four rushes in the second half alone after Jonathan Taylor was carving it up. I mean, I know he wasn't averaging the most yards per carry, but he had two touchdowns. He had over 70 yards rushing. I mean, the the the, the Colts were just doing everything they needed to do in the first half, and they just completely changed it up. For whatever reason, Frank Reich just said, fuck it, we're going to throw the ball another 100 times. Even though we had our two-star tackles out, we had Braden Smith, who was not allowed to sack all season. He started over, he was out due to COVID. I believe he was a close contact, so he should be back this week. Uh, Anthony Costanzo rolled his ankle in practice the Thursday before, so he was out with an injury. Uh, And then one of our backups ended up getting hurt. I believe his name was... Holder, Jonathan Holder, something like that. Um, he ended up getting hurt mid-game, so we had to have uh, one of our other backups. I forget his name. I know his last name is Webb. And then we had to have Chaz Green starting on the right side. And that just it was a formula for disaster, especially against a hot and consistent Pittsburgh aggressive sack-heavy defense with, who was leading the league in sacks at the time and furthered that lead with five sacks on Phillip Rivers. Forcing two turnovers and probably should have been a lot more the way that Phillip was throwing the ball, but I'll get into that in a second. Um, typically with football, right, for people that don't understand how the game works, when your tackles, which are the farthest people on the outside of the offensive line, the left side obviously bl- blocks the blind side of a right-handed quarterback. So that is their best friend. Anthony Costanzo has been our best offensive lineman since we drafted him over a decade ago. And yeah, um, we didn't have him. T.J. Watt, probably one of the best outside pass rushers in football. I wonder where he gets it from. It's almost like it's in his blood, like his brother T.J., or should I say like his brother J.J. Watt, for those of you that are unaware and couldn't put the correlation together. Um, He was going up against a career backup. T.J. Watt had two sacks. That that, that defensive line was in Phillip Rivers' face the entire game, especially in the second half. You cannot put a 39-year-old quarterback with an injured foot in a situation where he needs to find a way to maneuver in a continuously failed pocket. He had no time to throw. You you tried to force a lot of play-action plays down the field later in the game for absolutely no reason. And for those of you, once again, that are unaware, when you 
run a play action, which is a fake handoff to the running back, you're taking time away from your struggling offensive line to block because those are seconds you could have used out of the shotgun or the pistol to just throw a slant and in and out, try to find a way to, to beat that secondary like we were doing so well in the first half. Instead, you go away from the run. The defense was continuously fresh as their offense was taking time off of the clock in the second half. Uh, our defense completely shit the bed. We could not guard anybody. I don't even want to get into the officiating as it was blatantly and obviously one-sided. Uh, an offensive pass interference missed on uh, Chase Claypool. Uh, he he pushed Rock Yassin out of the way on an obvious and clear pick six. I mean, Rock broke for the ball way before Chase even turned around or even got to finish his route. And as Rock went to pass him, he pushed him off of his trajectory. And it was an obvious extended arm shove that the referees blatantly missed. Again, if he breaks for that ball before the receiver even catches or before he even breaks for the route, that ball is going the other way. And I mean, like, that's an easy 77, 75-yard pick six. Like, it, it's it's not even a question. Um, we had a couple of blatant and stupid uh, block-in-the-back holds off uh, defensive pass interference calls all the way. I mean, again, I'm not going to get into detail, but that, that one offensive pass interference that was missed really pissed me off because it was, like, so obvious. You have a line judge right there, and, and not a single flag was thrown. There's no way a human body is going to run in full sprint in one direction and magically end up falling left when he was going in a straight line, unless he tripped, which he didn't. So Pittsburgh goes down and they score a point. They, excuse me. They score a touchdown in the third. We do not score again. Once we score that field goal, like I stated earlier. So we stood for about, what is it? Mm, about 25 minutes, 24 minutes of the second half. We didn't score at all. We had about five three and outs. Phillip had a turnover. That pick six, or not pick six, he had that interception in the double coverage. Uh, he was rushed, and he just made a, a terrible throw. Uh, Pittsburgh goes down and scores 14 points. Game ends 28-24, Pittsburgh. So I'm trying to be unbiased here, and I'm trying to just make sure that I am being as objective as possible. Uh, as, as, as a Colts fan and as a football fan, uh, I don't know what our head coach was thinking. I don't know what Frank was doing. I don't know why when you're up 17 in a football game that you stop running the ball. I don't know if his ego got in the way. I don't know if he feels that he can out-scheme whoever he wants. I don't know if Frank believes that he is the best play caller in the league. I don't know if he thought Phillip Rivers was 10 years younger. And even when he was at his youngest and in his prime, he still wasn't the most mobile. But... The formula that we had was run the damn ball, make sure we drain the clock as much as possible, and limit their offense, who was probably one of the hotter offenses in the league when they need be. And we just we, we, we did the opposite. We didn't run the ball. We threw it a lot. We put Phillip in bad situations. We put the defense in bad situations. They were on the field the majority of the half. And when the offense need, when 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 the team needed us most, the offense just vanished, kind of like the avatar. And it was embarrassing to watch. It was frustrating as 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 a Colts fan. It was just absolutely atrociously frustrating. Like you just, I couldn't scream at the TV because I was at my girl's house. You know, I was with her family, and you know, I've I've shown them my crazy side. But I mean, like when you when you were when you're watching your team, no matter the sport, 
when you're watching a relative, a family member, you want them to play at their best. You know, you're going there to support. You want them to cheer. You want them to win. The same goes for professional sports. You know, you get you get wrapped up in the game. You get wrapped up in the season, and you're just like, you know, we're we're playing for our playoff lives here. And Tennessee lost later in the day, so us winning would have put us in first place and in control of our own destiny. And if we would have beaten Jacksonville and Tennessee would have, even if they would have won, we would have won the division by a game. So you see where I'm going with this? We, we, we had everything where we needed it to be. We were dominating one of the better teams in football in Pittsburgh, in which we haven't beaten them in Pittsburgh since 1968. Look up the number. That is absolutely atrociously embarrassing. Ridiculously embarrassing. We just, we, for whatever reason, we can't beat Pittsburgh. And our defense shut their run down. Like, they only had... 18 total yards rushing in the whole game. That's it. But Ben torched us for 342 and three TDs. 342 and three TDs. Juju had 96 in a TD. Deontay Johnson had 75 in a TD. Eric Ebron, of all people, of all people, our former tight end to go and score, really pissed me off. Like, the guy that talked smack in the offseason, the guy that said, you know, the Colts weren't doing it for me anymore after Andrew retired, and he went and had a terrible season last season with multiple drops, I believe double-digit drops, if I'm not mistaken, and he wants to blame the Colts for not throwing him the ball more. I'm sorry. If you're not doing your job and you're not doing it effectively, why would I give you chances to screw it up for us even more when we were struggling with an offense with Jacoby Brissett? So you're an idiot, and you will continue to be an idiot in my eyes when you make no sense so yeah their offense did everything they needed to do like I said their defense really locked it down in the second half we just could not get it going they had five sacks they had that strip sack fumble and the interception from Phillip so Phillip gave the ball back twice that was his first fumble all year Phillip had 270 a TD and a pick Jonathan Taylor like I said 74 yards uh, two touchdowns Naeem Hines had 44 yards uh, Zach Pascal was our leading receiver. He had 64 yards and a touchdown on a beautiful throw when Phillip Rivers steps up in the pocket, takes a lick, and he just puts that ball on a dime in the end zone. T.Y. Hilton had 60. Jack Doyle had 50. Pitty had 38. Again, unfortunately, we did lose Pitt and Kari Willis to the concussion protocol, so we will monitor those throughout the week. Our leading tackler was, again, as per usual, Darius Leonard, T.J. Carey, and Kenny Moore all tied with four. Kari had three before he was before he left the game with his with his concussion in the third so i mean it, it's a culmination of things bad play calling bad decision making uh bad defense bad bad everything in the second half i i, I don't think i've ever seen a game where a team is so absolutely dominant and so in control to just not take their foot off the gas pedal, but just get out of the vehicle or like change seats and just, you know, someone else drive for me. Like, no, you guys need to power through. And now we may not even make the playoffs. If we can find a way to scrummage up and beat Jacksonville. And if we win at 11 and five, if we weren't, if we don't make the playoffs, I'd be pretty damn upset. I would be pretty fucking upset. And I'm going to look at these week 17 matchups because I just, I need to see, the Dolphins are playing the Bills in Buffalo. I would assume the Bills aren't going to rest anybody because they want that number two seed. But if they do, that is going to be a tough game for the Dolphins. The Browns are paying the the Browns are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers backups. Uh, the Ravens are playing the hot and resurgent Bengals. So my hopes and dreams lies in Buffalo. 
Because with my luck, Lamar Jackson is going to try to play MVP caliber football, and he's going to try to rush for 150 yards against the Bengals. Uh, I'm hoping that Mason Rudolph can find a way to beat the shocking Browns. I don't know if that's going to happen. And I have to hope that the Buffalo Bills do not rest their starters and completely obliterate my baby brother's favorite football team for my football team to make it because my football team is stupid and didn't do their job. That's what it's come to. A quick overview of the games last week. Uh, the Saints absolutely, completely abolished the Vikings, 52-33. to Alvin Kamara ties an NFL record with the most rushing touchdowns in an NFL game with six. Uh, the Buccaneers absolutely mollywopped and handed the Lions their worst loss of the season at 47-7. to Tom Brady goes for four touchdowns, gets benched, I believe, late in the third or early in the fourth. I don't recall which one. And then Blaine Gabbert comes in and absolutely carves them up as well and throws for two touchdowns. The 49ers shocked the world and beat Kyler Murray 20-12. to Again, the Cardinals don't really seem like they want to go into the playoffs whatsoever. Kyler hasn't been the same since he hurt his shoulder, so I have no idea what's going on in his head. Uh, the Dolphins, like I had mentioned earlier, win a major shocker against the Raiders with a stupid roughing the passer call on on uh, Las Vegas and Ryan Fitzpatrick completing a 41-yard pass, which then was enhanced with the roughing the passer 15 yards. They then win the football game with a, I think, 43- or 42-yard field goal, 26-25. The Giants go and lose handedly to Baltimore, uh, 27-13. The Falcons once again cough up another game. I believe their kicker was perfect from the field or perfect from under 40 yards, and he missed a 36-yard field goal to tie it and go to overtime. The Falcons seem to have had this game somewhat in control or at least be competitive. Kansas City squeaks out of that one. Uh, the Browns, like I said, they lost to the Jets 23-16. The Bears go out and completely annihilate the Jacksonville Jaguars at 41-17. to The Bengals shocked the Texans at 37-31 in a shootout in Houston. We already lost. I'm not going over that again. The Panthers keep the Washington football team from clinching a playoff spot, and they win 20-13. to The Chargers win a nail-biter 19-16. to The Eagles get completely embarrassed 37-17. to The Seahawks hold off the surging Rams defense at 20-9. to The Packers absolutely crush the Tennessee Titans at 40-14 to in the Lambo blizzard and then the Patriots just oh my god it's it's beautiful to see because I've hated the Patriots for so long but the Patriots just get cars the fuck up 38 to 9 with the um, incredible performance of Josh Allen going for 320 yards and four touchdowns and then obviously the brilliant play of Stefan Diggs having 145 yards and three scores so I mean the Bills are no joke the Bills defense is here the Bills as a whole are here to stay, and I believe that the AFC is going to be very competitive with a lot of young quarterbacks, excluding Phillip Rivers' old ass. I mean, you have you have Tua Tungavailoa, you have Lamar Jackson, you have Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield. Whoever the hell is going to quarterback for the Jets is irrelevant because they suck. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is coming to Jacksonville. You have Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. You have Deshaun Watson in Houston. Old ass Big Ben. Uh, no one knows what's happening there. You have Justin Herbert in, in, in L.A. You have Drew Lockett, competent and not stupid, in Denver. You have 
Josh Allen in front in, in Buffalo, and you have Ryan Tannehill, who's not young, but he ain't old. You know what I mean? Like again, there's so many just young, 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 young quarterbacks in the AFC, and it's gonna be fun to watch these offensive shootouts in the next couple of years. And I could not be happier. Uh, gonna transition really quick into the NBA. Uh, it is back in full swing. Thankfully, the season started on the 22nd, and I'm not really gonna get into a lot of the games, only because. There's just so many, obviously, we're in full full swing, but I am going to point out something that is kind of amusing. There are a total of five undefeated teams as of this morning, as of today. Uh, I'm not keeping up with the scores right now because I am recording a little later than I wanted to, but the Orlando Magic, Cleveland Cavaliers, Indiana Pacers, and the Atlanta Hawks are undefeated in the Eastern Conference. You couldn't have paid me any amount of money to tell me those would be the four teams undefeated in the East. You know, the the West, however, you know, there... Oh, actually, that yeah, that, that's it. There was an undefeated team in the West, but uh, I guess they lost. <laughs> uh, the Pelicans are the number one team in the, the, the West. <laughs> you, I would have... Nope, I would have never known that. Um, the Pelicans are 2-1. Uh, they're plenty... They're, the top eight teams in the, in the NBA are all 2-1, with the Pelicans, Timberwolves, Clippers, Jazz, Suns, Kings, Spurs, and Blazers. The Lakers are 2-2. Two two. The Thunder are 1-1. One one. The Warriors are 1-2 with the obviously struggling offense without Klay Thompson. The Mavs are 1-2, getting completely embarrassed both nights, both losses. Uh, the Nuggets are 1-2. Grizzlies are 1-2. John Morant just got hurt. And the Rockets are 0-2. Update on the James Harden situation. He's absolutely throwing a tantrum. He's still doing that nonsense that bitch made shit of wanting to get traded and pretty much saying he doesn't really care out out here posting things on social media saying he was supporting his friend who was a, a stripper or an exotic dancer or a businesswoman or whatever which was explaining why he wasn't a part of training camp and why he wasn't wearing a mat or whatever nobody gives a shit what your reasons were right so you make millions of dollars to play a game you make millions of dollars to pretty much do what you want when you're not playing the basketball game, right? You are one of the most prolific scorers I've ever seen, sadly. You are one of the best players in the NBA, sadly. And you're going to sit here and throw basically a hissy fit because the NBA is fining you $50,000 for not following COVID protocols. So once again, let's just go over this. Let's backtrack a little bit. There is a global pandemic going around. Thousands of people dying. There are plenty of people who don't believe in COVID or choose not to believe in it or don't think it's as serious as it is. For the record, for the 15th time, you make millions and you have the job to take care of you with precautions and protocols. You have accessibility to medical uh, professionals that most of us don't have. And you're going to go and do everything everything not only the nba says not to do but the cdc that controls the government you know the the, the center for disease control the thing that that the organization that's trying to keep the 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 country in order you're just gonna say fuck it i'm james harden i'm gonna do whatever it is that i want i'm gonna go hang out with strippers i'm gonna go here i'm gonna go hang out with these people i'm not gonna wear a mask because you don't care because you want to get traded from the team that you demanded to add players, trade players, pay you this amount of money, and it turned out to not work. You got the coach you wanted. You got plenty of players you requested. You 
are running an, a complete system with a rookie head coach and Steven Salas, and you are just going to completely throw a fucking tantrum because you're not getting what you want. Sorry. Not everybody gets what they want, even when they're millionaires. Get over it. Play with the team that you play for. And try to compete for a championship. Try to make basketball fun. Of course, the game he freaking plays in after he was, you know, kept away from the team due to COVID. Uh, I didn't. I don't think he... No, he didn't get COVID, but he was a, a high risk or whatever, and he had to test negative up until Christmas. Of course, the day he comes back, he drops like 44, 12, and 8. And it's like I've never seen such a piece of shit play basketball at such a high level and basically look like a dad in the gym and still go and drop buckets as if he's been practicing his ass off all year you know he just plays basketball so effortlessly and then he just dominates in all aspects of the game that are in defense so I don't know what's going to happen there I don't know if Daryl Moore in Philadelphia is going to end up pulling the trigger. Apparently, there was a rumor that Ben became available, and I mean Ben Simmons became available for trade earlier last week. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know if he's going to get traded. I don't know if he's going to end up getting traded to Brooklyn. But we will figure it out as the season progresses because he's going to continue to throw the tantrums that he wants and... God willing, he can just play the damn game and shut the fuck up. But, you know, we we never know with NBA divas or, should I say, athletic divas. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I believe John Morant rolled his ankle and all x-rays came back negative. He is good to go, but it is a high ankle sprain, so he'll be out a few weeks. Uh, I believe Nikola Jokic dropped a 18-assist triple-double last night. Dallas absolutely completely annihilated and embarrassed the Los Angeles Clippers without the presence of Kawhi Leonard, and we beat them by 51 or 52 points. Uh, Spanking, yes, but I will not look into it any further because their best player was not playing. Oh, they had Paul George. Yeah, he just signed a $200 million contract, which was an absolute highway robbery. Shout out to Paul George's agent because he just completely bamboozled that organization. The man had like 15 points against Dallas. Even without Kawhi Leonard taking shots, he couldn't do it. I knew that the Clippers were bitch made when they could not keep up with Dallas before KP got hurt. And even when KP got hurt, he was still we were still doing our thing. So not a surprise that the Clippers are struggling. Not struggling, but you know, not surprised that they didn't play very well against us whatsoever. Uh, the Warriors. They went on a game winner from Damian Lee. Uh, they were about to go 0-3. Uh, Stephen Curry is doing everything he can do to try to keep them afloat, but they are heavily missing the sharp shooting capabilities of Klay Thompson. Kelly Oubre, I think I saw a stat. He's like 0-31 on non-dunk attempt uh, field goals this season. Andrew Wiggins is not playing up to par. Uh, just looking further and further like a waste of a pick for the Timberwolves back in the day. Uh, the Warriors are... I don't know. I don't want to say a wash. It's way too early to say that. But the play of James Wiseman is encouraging. Draymond Green has also been hurt. So I would say it's a little too early to rush to judgment and say that they won't make the playoffs. But the way that the Western Conference is turning up and turning around with a lot of young teams like the Kings, like the Suns, like the Jazz, like the Timberwolves and the Pelicans, you know, we'll see what happens when it shapes up. And, you know, the season comes full circle. So uh, sliding over back into the Eastern Conference, Trey Young is balling his his life away. Uh, Sabonis on the Pacers is balling the fuck out. Uh, 
don't really care about the Cavaliers or the Magic. We all know what their careers are going to, well, not careers, we all know what their seasons are going to end up being. If any of these three teams end up making the playoffs that are not, or should I say, if any of these three teams hold their position in the top three seeding of the Eastern Conference, you know what? I was going to say I'll buy you lunch if you call me out on it, but I'm not going to say that because with my luck, karma's going to come full circle, and one of these teams are going to end up balling out and having a miracle season, and they're going to finish top three. So I'm not going to say that. But again, I don't expect them to hold their position. Orlando, top eight as per usual. I would say Indiana is going to be middle of the pack again. Oladipo is playing very well. Uh, But I did predict Atlanta to play very well this season with the acquisitions that they made with Chris Dunn, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdanovich. Uh, obviously, they have the return of Trey Young, an up-and-coming superstar with his electrifying playmaking ability and his extended shooting range, similar to Steph Curry's. It's kind of crazy. I will say that I am shocked that the 76ers are 2-1. and one. Um, Yeah, I'll just, I, I kind of stay with that one. I'm not, gonna, I'm not really going to go farther than that. They just... They're not very good on paper, but, you know, Doc Rivers is an amazing coach. They do have two superstars in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, so anything is possible. Uh, the Nets, 2-2. Two and two. Kyrie and KD got a mesh. It's going to take time. Uh, we did see flashes of it uh, a couple of nights ago when I believe KD had like 29 and Kyrie had 36. So those two are back and fully healthy. I believe Spencer Dinwiddle, Dinwiddie, I always forget how to say his last name, uh, he partially tore his ACL, so he's going to be out a significant amount of time. So we will see how they play that. I mean, Levert will probably just have to step up and run the backup one. I don't know, but uh, that will hurt Steve Nash's second unit. Uh, the Heat, one and one, nothing really crazy. Uh, I believe that that team will be back to Eastern Conference Championship form sometime soon. The New York Knicks, and I will get into a specific topic in just a second, the Knicks are one and two. I don't expect them to stay there very long. The Celtics will turn it around. Uh, LaMelo Ball is playing decent, and I uh, I am excited to see what happens with him. Uh, shout out to Gordon Haywood's fucking agent because he bamboozled Michael Jordan out of $30 million a year. Uh, the Bucks surprisingly, at one and two, absolutely getting annihilated by the Knicks the other night by, I believe, 20-something. So Giannis is looking more and more like he should have left. There was actually a meme of him sitting on the bench with a pissed off face that said, damn, I'm really stuck here for five more years with the score of the Knicks beating them by 20. I laughed pretty hard. Uh, the Wizards struggling. No surprise there. Russell Westbrook can drop triple doubles in every game. That's not going to save them from having a terrible, terrible team. I hope Kobe White turns it around with Zach Levine uh, for the Bulls being 0-3. Pistons. No surprise there. Uh, Raptors actually surprised that they don't have a win yet. Again, the beginning of the season, they're only 0-2. But, you know, we will see what happens as the season progresses. But back to the next topic. So, for the upteenth time, I will bring this up because it, for whatever reason, whenever Dallas does bad, it's always brought to my attention. Uh, A friend of mine, I will not name them, a friend of mine said, thank you for the 2021 pick after I tweeted or said something about the Mavericks being an embarrassment for losing the game that they did against the uh, the Lakers on Christmas Day. We just we got embarrassed. We did not play well at all, especially defensively. Um, and we, me, me, me and my friend have gone back and forth about this multiple times, not only on social media, but through text. And it always seems to come back to the same point of the Knicks won the trade for Kristaps Porzingis that happened two years ago. So I'm going to just 
backtrack for those that don't know what I'm talking about. The Dallas Mavericks acquired Kristaps Porzingis after his ACL surgery two years ago for Dennis Smith Jr. and I believe two first-round picks. And we sent over Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan is in Brooklyn. Wesley Matthews has since been on two teams in Milwaukee and now the Lakers. Dennis Smith Jr. is not even a shell of himself. He is absolutely a complete stranger. He may have been body swapped like Space Jam back in the day because he just does not look like himself. The Knicks used that pick. I don't even know who they drafted. I don't know if that turned into the Topi pick. I don't know if that Topin, Topi, whatever his stupid ass name is. I don't really care. Or whatever. As I stated, it is completely irrelevant because the players that they acquired are no longer on the team. However, the Mavericks got a a, a 7-3 power forward slash center that averaged 28-11 and in the bubble last year that the Knicks weren't invited to. The Dallas Mavericks are playing with an elite top five, top three player, depending who you ask, superstar in in, uh, Luka Doncic. They are playing in the Western Conference, and... They are coming off an almost upset of the Los Angeles Clippers last season. What are the Knicks doing again? Oh, that's right. They were tanking so hard for the number one overall pick that they didn't get again. Um, Going through another coaching staff change, bringing back Mike Woodson. They are still paying Alfred Payton. They are still paying Julius Randle, who is turning it around, I believe, the last game or two. So, you know, maybe I'll eat my words there, but still, no regrets. They are wasting the the, the prime career of R.J. Barrett because for the majority of his career, if he stays in New York, they will amount to nothing. We still have Tim Hardaway, who is averaging about 15 to 16 points. I think Dennis Smith is averaging 15 to 16 minutes, if not less. Uh... Wesley is enjoying his luxurious trip in Los Angeles. And DeAndre Jordan's chilling in Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie. Courtney Lee was waived this this uh, training camp due to injury. And Trey Burke, the other player we got, has been re-signed to a three-year, $30 million contract, who is a crucial part of our second unit. So where, where, are, where are we losing? Because... Three out of the four players we acquired are still on this roster and are still playing effective minutes in the Western Conference. The Knicks haven't made the playoffs since Carmelo Anthony left. The Knicks haven't won an NBA title since the 70s. And the Mavericks are consistently in the playoffs other than the last four years prior to Luka's draft. What have we done in the last four years? Prior to Luka, absolutely nothing. We are we were an embarrassment in the West. We did not deserve to play basketball a lot of the time. We played competitively, but then forgot how to play in the fourth. You know, an aging Hall of Famer and Dirk Nowitzki, we just tried to pat a lot of his stats. We did try to compete and bring in some talent, but it just, you know, the Harrison Barnes signing didn't work. The drafting of Dennis Smith didn't work. The signing of Wesley Matthews didn't pan out. We ended up trading DeAndre Jordan halfway through the year for Chris Stops. So, yeah, Chandler Parsons was a bust for us. We wasted a lot of money and a lot of Dirk's later years. Yes, we were an embarrassment. However, that's not the case anymore. The Knicks have been the dumpster fire since I was in high school, which was, I believe I graduated in 2012, and Mello was then later let go. I forget 
when that was and even when he was there they weren't exactly electrifying they never made it out of the first round and they sucked they still suck they will always suck so yes I'm probably going to anger a lot of my Nick fan friends but this is nowhere near directed towards you this is just a fact the Dallas Mavericks are a better team and a better franchise than the New York Knicks will ever be. Period. Your earlier 90s years with Ewing, Stark, Hute, phenomenal, iconic, historic Eastern Conference champion, you didn't win. The 70s, Phil Jackson, and plenty of other players, you know, Clyde the Glide Frazier, I forget, I don't even, Walt, whatever his name was, the guy that announces for them. Other than that era when our parents were barely alive, yeah, that was the last time you were relevant. The Mello and Steve Novak, Amari Stoudemire boys back in high school when they were when they were exciting to watch with J.R. Smith and Prigioni and 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 Lynn Sand, all of those boys. When the when, when they were when they were fun to watch, they were fun. They had their time. They didn't obviously take advantage because LeBron James was running the East along in Miami. And even when he went back to Cleveland, he was running the East. And he left to L.A. And the, the Knicks were just still completely irrelevant. Still weren't very good. They're trending in the right direction, hiring Tom Thibodeau as a head coach and having R.J. Barrett as their focal superstar to draft around and build around. Topin can end up being a great acquisition in the draft. I, I don't know. They got this guy out of Seton Hall that was apparently the steal of the draft who ended up not being drafted, but an, an electrifying player nonetheless. But again, they haven't shown anything. We are three games into the season, four games depending on who your team is. And I don't see them going anywhere. I don't really care. But in regards to the Kristaps Porzingis trade, the Dallas Mavericks won that trade hands down and there is absolutely no question and if or but about it. Period. We're competing for a championship if you want to be petty, a playoff spot, you're competing for lottery picks. There's a big difference here. We've had the same coach since 2009. You're going on what? Your fifth in the last couple of years? I I would I'd really 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 appreciate it if I'd get a little bit more respect. Fine, the Mavericks aren't as iconic as the Knicks worldwide I completely understand and respect that you've been around forever but since Dirk Nowinski was drafted way more relevant we've actually won a championship in my lifetime we've been to two finals in my lifetime you guys are first second round scrapers and that's fine back then you were even if we're first second round scrapers right now you're scraping for pinballs to luckily strike the number one overall pick. Know your place, enjoy the draft, and I hope you have a good time. So, that's my episode for the day. I hope everybody had a incredible, magical, and safe Christmas. And I hope everybody has an even better New Year's. So, hopefully, by uh, next week... We'll have a little bit more content in terms of the NBA. 
we'll be able to discuss the playoff seedings for the NFL and maybe have a little bit more rumors in terms of the M- uh, the MLB. Gary Sanchez apparently said he had no idea that the Yankees were even going to bench him in the postseason, this past postseason, when he was averaging zero. <laughs> but for that, tune in next week. Again, Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, a merry belated Christmas. And I've been t- I'll be talking to you guys again soon. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid.